Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, my name is Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to the fourth message in this series. I am telling you, I'm enjoying this. I'm getting fired up about this because I'm putting these things into practice uh, as I'm preaching them. Many things that I've done all my life, many things that have worked for me all my life, I'm I'm doing right now so so that I can experience exactly what I'm encouraging you to step up and experience. So we're talking about the positive power of desire. Now, one of the things I want you to understand something. No natural desire that a person has is inherently evil. Now, I've heard all kinds of bizarre stuff in religious circles where people would talk about, you know, this is evil and this is evil and this thing is evil. No, it's not. There is there is nothing that God gave us the capacity to do uh, that is within itself evil. But what makes it evil is when we decide how we're going to fulfill it. Normally, when people hear about the concept of desire, they immediately go to wicked desires. Well, listen, we are built with the capability of, of having any kind of desire that we choose, any kind of desire uh, you know that we, that we pursue. And so desire is an incredibly powerful motivator and all of these capacities that God has given us, He has given us, given to us for our good and for our benefit. So the question, I guess, though, we need to ask ourselves is this: What's motivating me? What is it that is stirring up desire or passion within me? You know, uh, you've heard me talk about this before in the past. One of my deep-seated desires was to do crusades in other countries where people had never heard the gospel. Now, I don't know why I had that desire. I don't, you know, some people say, well, God gave me that desire. I don't know. And, you know, I don't know, and you don't know. You don't really know if God gave you a desire or, or, if, or if there's just something in you that came alive that made you have a certain desire. But, but that, that really is not the point. You know, the point is, is this desire a godly thing? And am I willing to surrender this to the Lord so that so that he can lead me in this. And if he doesn't want me to do it, that's fine. If he's got something else for me, to do, that's fine. He can lead me into something else. Now see where, where desire becomes a problem is when is when we want something so deeply and we expect it to meet a need in our lives to such an extent that we really bulldoze right over God. We go force our way into successes that really uh, take us off track as far as what our life's purpose is about. You know, there are so many things, godly things, when I was a young believer that I was so deeply uh, passionate about and so deeply wanted to do. Now, here's what's interesting. Many of those things were temporary. I think that's one of the things that has just been such a blessing to my life is to realize that when something comes alive inside of me, I'm, I'm going to pursue it, at, but whenever that begins to dissipate, 
uh, unless God directs otherwise, then I'm going to let go of it. I'm not going to do the same thing all of my life. I've never considered that I do the same thing all of my life. There are so many people that I know that are are in ministry or in a business or in certain situations that at one time was a blessing not only to them, but it was a blessing to a lot of other people. But sadly, we get our identity attached to these things that we do, these successes that we have, and then we will not listen to God when it's time to let them go. And if we do not listen to God when it's time to let them go, they will bring destruction into our life. You know, I think it was King Hezekiah in the Old Testament that uh, that Isaiah the prophet came to him, I believe it was, and said, and the word of the Lord for him was, you know, get your house in order, uh, you're going to die. And so it says that he turned his face to the wall and cried out to the Lord. And, and so in prayer, he prayed his way through, and Isaiah came back again and said, you know, the Lord's going to extend your life. Well, he had... Uh, 15 more years added to his life. Now, here's the amazing thing. In those 15 years, he had a son, and that son turned out to be one of the most wicked kings that had ever ruled uh, in Judah, and actually, this particular king led Israel into such idolatry and godlessness that they ended up having to go into captivity. I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't want to pursue a desire, and 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 when it's over, I I want to hold on to that success, or I want to stay alive another year, or what you know, whatever it is. And, and see, it's not that there's anything wrong with those things, but when when we hold on to something to the degree that we will resist God, or that we won't even consider what God's trying to say to us, then that has become an incredible problem. So. So, you know, I wanted to take these, I wanted to go to these countries where nobody had heard the gospel and preach the gospel to them. And everybody I knew told me that that didn't happen anymore, that the days of those crusades was over. Well, you know something? I thought, well, if, God, if it's over, God's going to tell me because as far as I can understand in my heart, this is a God thing. And so, you know, I pursued it. Now, here's the great thing about when you have a desire, if you temper that desire, where you are always surrendered to the Lord. You're always willing to follow God. You're always willing to hit the brakes to make a, you know, to make a right turn, a left turn, or just a stop dead still until God speaks to you to go again, then then it's always going to work out great. It's going to have a good outcome. But when you have desire, you become attentive to things that you previously probably weren't even noticing. And when you begin to notice those things, you notice those things that will take you into the direction of that which you desire. And, and really, if you stay on track with this, man, I'm telling you what, you're just always rejoicing in God. You're always thankful toward God. And you always know that God's always going to open the door for you when you finish this project and you let it go and God has something else for you to do. You absolutely know for sure that you're going to succeed at it, you're going to be able to walk it out, and God's going to use you. You know, uh, the, the word the word desire uh, in the Hebrew uh, is spelled with a very one of the very interesting, because all the Hebrew letters are interesting, but one of the Hebrew letters is the word tzed. Now, the word tzed can be related to a righteous man. It has a lot to do with righteousness. Anytime you see the word tzed, 
you know that this is either going to, on the light side, it's going to talk about somebody that that is following God in righteousness, or on the dark side, it's going, it's going to portray somebody who is not following God in righteousness. Now, so the word said, and, and in the Hebrew, for example, this letter said, it's spelled with three Hebrew letters, uh, the said, the dalit, and the yud. And so in the Hebrew, you can look up the three-letter meanings of every single word or every single letter in a word. And I'll tell you, it expands the message uh, that that word is conveying in ways that are just phenomenal. Now, the word saved, more than anything else, is a picture in the ancient pre-Babylonian uh, Hebrew writings. This was a picture of a fish hook. Now, that just seems, you think, what has that got to do with righteousness? What has it got to do with desire? Because the word desire has the word, the letter said in it. So we know that this letter plays some significant part in this. So the first letter, uh, uh, say, like I say, it, it's a fish hook. Now think about a fish hook. A fish hook snags something and can, and can drag it along. It can, it can pull it. Uh, 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 in any particular direction that it, that it wants to to pull itself, and so this Hebrew word is when it's talking about righteousness. It's like uh, it's like the fish hook has sunk into our heart and is and we're being reeled in to righteousness. We're being drawn into righteousness, and and the the said also represents the concept of humility because at some point you stop fighting, getting reeled in the direction you're going. And you surrender, you you succumb to it. The second letter uh, in, in said is called the Dalit. Now, the Dalit is a picture uh, of a doorway that is opening to uh, a, another path. And so, so when we're when we're getting ready to, or when God is in the process of leading us into something new, then we have to pass through the Dalit. We have to pass through this doorway. And you know, there are so many things about this doorway that Jesus talked about. You know, when Jesus talked about the fact that narrow, you know, uh, uh, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and the path that leads to life. He wasn't talking about getting saved. He was talking about a, the path of righteousness. You know, the path of life is the path of righteousness. And, and when we leave righteousness, when we leave our commitment to righteousness, it's not about losing your born-again experience. I don't even know if you can do that. I don't know. I don't have an opinion about that. I don't need an opinion about that. You know, people ask me sometimes, do you, do you believe in the, do you believe in once saved, always saved? I'm like, look, I don't know. I hadn't died yet. That's something I have not experienced in this life. That is something that because God did not make uh, it abundantly clear in Scripture, I don't think we need to worry about. What we need to worry about is whether or not we're passionate for God and whether or not we're following Him right now. So if he sunk the hook in us and, and he's drawing us in a particular direction, then the time is going to come when we're going to have to make a choice to go through this doorway. And when we go through this doorway, it's always going to open up to a new path. Now, what's interesting is the third letter in saved is what's called a yud. Now, the yud is when a plan unfolds on earth 
that was ordained in heaven. Now, that is just so phenomenal. You know, the whole concept uh, of the keys of the kingdom, uh, the whole concept of praying the way Jesus also pray, which, by the way, if you're struggling in your prayer life, be sure and get uh, get my series uh, on heaven and earth and get a copy of the prayer organizer because, man, I'm telling you what, Jesus had modeled a specific way to pray, and he taught a specific way to pray. And I'm telling you, I am not trying to be negative, but the truth is, in over 50 years, I have never been in a conference anywhere uh, where they taught people to pray like Jesus prayed. As a matter of fact, they usually teach people to pray about things that Jesus said, you don't have, don't pray about this, don't worry about it. Uh, so Jesus told us ways not to pray. He told us things not to pray about. And in fact, everything I've ever seen about teaching on prayer taught us to pray for things that Jesus said not to pray for and pray in ways that he said not to pray in a, in a particular way. But the way Jesus prayed is he used the keys of the kingdom. Now, the keys of the kingdom is when we see that something has been ordained in heaven. We see it in the scripture. It's not subjective. We're not just feeling a certain way. We see that something has been established in heaven. And it becomes our job to establish it here on earth by using our authority. And so, and so uh, uh, this, is, this is talking about the hook has been sunk in and, and we're being drawn in a particular direction. And we come to a doorway and that doorway is going to be the place of decisions. It's going to be where we make the decision. Now, we can make a decision to get on a path that leads to destruction. That's the broad path. Everybody gets on that path. That, you're going to have a lot of company on that path. But there is a narrow gate, and there's a narrow path, and that is, that is the dollet. That's the path where something has, has been ordained in heaven. And by making this choice, a new path revealing God's plan that has been ordained in heaven is going to actually unfold to us on earth and is going to bring us into the perfection of his plan. You know, so many times, we have a desire. We start to seek a plan, and so and maybe it's a godly plan. But I'm telling you, the number one failure that people make—I'm talking about good people, people that are serious and genuine and following God—we don't allow Him to be our shepherd. When when we have this absolute clear sense that God is calling us to do something, leading us to do something, the tendency is then we say, "Okay, here I go. I'm going to put my plan together." I know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to read a book about this. I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so about this. And, and I'm, I'm going to go do this the best I can for God. Well, God doesn't want the best you can. God wants you to walk with him. God wants you to follow him on this path of life. He wants you to follow him on this narrow path that leads to life. And this is the path of righteousness. And so we follow him. And this path, now, it's kind of interesting when you think about, uh, when you think about desire, you come to this Hebrew word, ratzah. And again, it has the letter tzed in it. Now, this word is used many times to convey delight or approval for something. So one of the things that we realize here is we give ourselves approval to desire and to delight in, and even to crave after things that are destroying us. You say, I, I do not. I, man, I resist that. I, no. Well, maybe you do resist it the best way you know how, 
But that doesn't mean that you're using the keys of the kingdom. It doesn't mean you're doing it like Jesus did. You know, one of the things that we teach, uh, you know, I have a program here called uh, uh, Heart Physics. And Heart Physics is where we teach people to, uh, uh, to pray and use faith from their heart, following the methodology that Jesus modeled and what he taught about using the keys to the kingdom. And I'm telling you, what we see is people who make this journey, they discover that they always have authority in every situation, and that the number one way people use their authority is by making decisions. Now, that just, see, we think about authority strictly in ceremonial terms, where we say, in the name of Jesus, ah, you know, and, 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 we're, and we're saying religious words, we're quoting things that are in the Bible. And, and most of the time when we're using authority, we're at, we don't even do it the way Jesus taught. We're asking God to use his authority. Well, God, God doesn't have authority here on planet Earth. He owns planet Earth. But as of right now, and until Jesus comes back, we have authority. And it is our role here to choose to do whatever it is that we know has been ordained in heaven. And the number one way we know what's been ordained in heaven is by knowing what happened at the cross of Christ, what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave, what happened in the resurrection. And I'll tell you, when, when we make that decision, that is an exercise of authority. But besides the whole authority thing, that is going through the dollar. This is going through the door. This is going through the narrow path of the door because I am choosing to follow God. And I'm telling you, something comes alive inside of us that is so incredibly phenomenal. But I want you to understand something. God gave us this capacity to have desires. Now, granted, we can feed a desire. Now, again, the imagination, for example, most people always consider the imagination to be evil. Well, no, it's just what are you imagining and why are you, why are you doing it? What is it? What desire are you trying to fulfill in your imagination? And see, that goes back to the fact that, uh, that we, have to, uh, we have to give permission for certain desires to be alive in us, or we have to delight in them. And, and, they, and they will until we choose, we use our authority, and we choose something else. Listen, Psalm 37, 4 says this. Everybody knows this passage of Scripture. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He didn't say, I'll, I will. Many people read that verse and say, well, see, that's saying that he will give you the desires he wants you to have. Uh, you know, that's really probably not what that verse is saying, because one of the things that we know is God never, ever, ever violates our will. We were created in his likeness and image, and just like nothing or no one ever violates his will, he will never violate our will. And after we were created in his likeness and image, he gave us authority on planet Earth. So since we have authority on planet Earth, then the real truth is everything that God wants to do on planet Earth, he has to do through us, through believers who choose to walk this path, whatever this path is, to choose to walk this path for So I don't think it's all that complicated, and I've broken this down in the original language. I'm not saying God won't give you certain desires, because 
I think God will impress upon you. He will stir something up in you. But you still have to approve of it. You still have to say yes. And if you don't, that desire will be quenched and it'll go away. And you will, you will never realize that God was speaking to you. God was trying to lead you. But he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's just real simple. If God is my delight instead of my desire, then he will give me that desire because he can trust me with that desire because I won't use that des desire in a way that destroys me and destroys myself and destroys people around, uh, people around me. God, you know, God wants us happy. God's way smarter than any of us are. And I can tell you this, you know, as somebody, I have had my own businesses since I was 14 years old. I was a runaway. I lived on the streets. And so at 14 years old, I was having to figure out how I was going to eat. And I was going to eat by, by making money. And so uh, uh, I formed a band. And the very first band I had, and we were so bad, it was terrible. But first band I started, uh, I, I went down to the American Legion Hall in this little town that I lived in. And I made a deal to rent the American Legion Hall. I went to I went to the Double Cola Bottling Company, and I and I bought uh, I don't remember how many cases of of soft drinks I bought, and I bought some snacks and and set up a concession stand. I went somewhere else and bought a roll of tickets, and so I, so I started selling tickets to this dance, and and I had a concession stand where we sold soft drinks and and other things. And so that was where I started. That was my first time to employ other people. And I employed uh, uh, three other people, two or three other people to play in that band with me. And we went and made money. And from that time forward, until I gave my life to Jesus, I made money. And sometimes I made a lot of money as a musician, but I had all kinds of businesses. I didn't just do that. I had all, kind, all kinds of businesses. And so... And so, you know, I'm, I'm made money and I succeeded at this stuff. Now, uh, the desire of my heart, I wanted to be a musician, but the desire of my heart was really just to eat, just to have a place to live, to have a roof over my head. You can't imagine what it's like to be 14, 15 years old, 16 years old, and not even be sure where you're going to sleep at night, not even be sure where your next meal is going to come from. But if you have a desire, that desire is going to lead you down a specific path. You know, I'll show you something really interesting here. Um, this could be, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, this actually could be a picture of what hell really is. Proverbs 21, 25 says this, the desire of a lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. Now, you know, the, the, in the Hebrew letters, the word, the letter for fire uh, is is a letter a letter that speaks of device, you know things being devoured and destroyed completely by fire or by the grinding of the teeth and this sort of thing. Well, we are eternal beings. God's made us eternal beings, and many people will never surrender their life to Jesus. They'll never serve God because because they don't believe that there's a way to fulfill their desires because in their minds, they have convinced themselves that they got to do something that's immoral, illegal, uh, uh, ungodly. And so, so they, have, they have no concept of sexual fulfillment within the bounds 
of, of what God wants to happen. And God, you know, God wants you to be sexually fulfilled. He wants you to have a, a romantic marriage. He, want, he wants all of those pieces to be there. You know, it was God that said, look, it's not good for man to be alone. It's kind of interesting because God was saying, even though I'm here present with man, I'm not enough. He needs someone like him that they can become one and they can share something uh, that, and, and their desires can be fulfilled in ways that I cannot uh, fulfill these, these desires. And so God did that. But we are eternal beings. And so even though we will experience physical death, we will never cease to exist. Well, the problem is when people choose unrighteousness, if, if God were to let them in heaven, and we know based on many biblical facts that, that, that these people are not going to repent. They don't want righteousness. They want to fulfill their lust in all of these ungodly ways, so they're not going to pursue God. So when that person dies, they still have those lusts and those desires. But the problem is, since they don't have a physical body anymore, they can never fulfill them. Many scholars have said there's a possibility that what we call the fires of hell is the consuming lust that people would not give up that they will never, ever, ever fulfill. You know, God is the God of hope. And the word hope means confident expectation. We were created to be people of hope. We were created, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when a desire comes, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 19 says, a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. God wants us to fulfill our desires because just think of what happens when every time we fulfill a desire by following God, our confidence in God is going to soar. Uh, our, our willingness to trust him, our willingness to walk with him, our willingness to, ish, uh, to deal with uh, uh, corrupt desires, we can free ourselves from these things incredibly easily. So you know something I want to encourage you, you walk with God you learn how to get your desires fulfilled. You surrender yourself to him. You choose the path uh, of life uh, and, and walk in righteousness. And you'll discover an aspect of God that you have probably never, 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 ever experienced. Listen, I hope you enjoy this. Share this with other people. We want people to know that God's a good God and God wants to fulfill your desires, but maybe not the way that you think they're going to be fulfilled. All right. Blessings to you. I appreciate you being here so much. I encourage you to go to impactministries.com, check out our website. And listen, if you'd like to help us raise up 1 billion disciples around the world, we could use your partnership. We could use uh, your generosity because that's what we're doing and that's what we're going to do. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.